Well, first, how are you? Uh, it's been it's been a bit of a week. It's only Monday. Y- yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen film and adult rom-coms. I am one of your co-hosts, Martha Sullivan, library manager and purveyor of young adult literature, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host. Um, I'm Maren Hagman, adult services librarian and rom-com and romance novel enthusiast. Uh, And we are going to be talking today about the 2018 Netflix original, When We First Met. Uh, So this is your top of the hour spoiler warning for When We First Met. We are going to discuss and dissect this movie in detail. So if you have not seen it and would like to remain unspoiled, now is your chance to pause the podcast, go watch the movie and come back uh, and rejoin us when you are ready to do so. Uh, when We First Met was written by John Whittington and directed by Ari Sandel, and it stars Adam Devine as Noah, Alexandra Daddario as Avery, Shelley Hennig as Carrie, Andrew Bachelor as Max, Robbie Amell as Ethan, and Dean J. West as Phil, and a whole bunch of other people. Not a whole bunch, it's a pretty small cast. It's but, a pretty small cast. Uh, yes, and a smattering of other people. Uh, when we first met is the story of Noah, who, as we, when we open the film, is attending the engagement party of his friends Avery and Ethan. Uh, and we find out pretty quickly that uh, Noah has been in love with Avery for the past three years uh, and thinks often of the Halloween party where they met and hit it off pretty instantaneously. Although by the end of the night, it is very clear that Avery is... Uh, considers Noah to be more of a friend and by November 1st has a meet cute with Ethan who she is now marrying three years later. Uh, Noah, after having a breakdown in the car of Carrie, who is trying to take him home, uh, falls asleep in a photo booth and wakes up three years later on Halloween with the chance to redo the night and see if he can try and make Avery fall in love with him. Uh, we settle into a pattern of Noah getting a chance to repeat Halloween 2014 uh, and then waking up three years later to see the changes that have have been wrought by his decisions. Uh, we get a series of increasingly uh, wild scenarios Um some of which in in some of which he is with Avery and some of which he is not uh, in some of which or in one of which he has he has Avery, but he has alienated his best friend Max um, and so on and so forth until he finally realizes that he and Avery are simply not the right fit for each other. And in fact, Carrie, who he has an increasingly deepening connection with in all of these scenarios is the woman that is actually a better fit for him. He goes back one more time, and he also has the realization that in order to meet and connect with Carrie, things have to play out the way that they did initially so that he and Carrie can connect at Avery and Ethan's engagement party 
and organically progress from there. Uh, which is where we leave them at the end of the fifth Groundhog's Day scenario uh, as Noah and Carrie prepare to uh, continue into the future together. Would you say that that is a fair synopsis? Yeah, yeah I think you I think you hit on everything. Um, yeah, I think that's their... Um, yeah, I think those are the, the, main, the main points there. There's not... You know, this movie is not all that intricate. <laughs> nope. Um, it does do some interesting things with cause and effect, though. Um, so, Marin, had you watched this one before? I had. Um, so this is my second viewing. I watched it um, very soon after it came out. Um, so that was, you know, three years ago. Um, so this was my first time rewatching it in those three years. Um, and I will say, I both liked and disliked it more than I remembered. Um, there was more <laughs> going on than I remembered, and there were things that it did well that I completely forgot about, and there were glaring things it did poorly that I had also completely forgotten about. Um, so I think ultimately it still stacks up as a meh, but, but there were different things that, that hit me this time. Um, and Martha, this was your first time watching it, right? It was. Um, I found the first maybe two, like half to two thirds of this movie to be almost unwatchable. Okay. Not unwatchable. To be hard to watch. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I'm interested to know what you think the movie does poorly. Because for me, the biggest thing is that it is clearly criticizing a couple of sort of corner... It, it is clearly criticizing some t some standard rom-com tropes and, like, trying to be a critique of certain kinds of men. Like, for example, one of the... The second scenario... Um, or no, the, the first scenario when when Noah realizes for the first time that he's gone back in time he's like oh I just have to be like much sexier and I know or I have to try to be sexier and I know like where she's from already and I know what her favorite music is and all of this and so he uses that knowledge to try and forge a connection with Avery like instantly but what happens is that she goes oh you're a creep Rightfully so, because he's being a creep. So, like, I feel like the movie is aware of a lot of these kind of not super great, um, like, characteristics that Noah is displaying. But that doesn't make them more fun to watch. Yeah, I think this movie is definitely more self-aware than I gave it credit for on first watch. Um, and, and honestly, I think that is all... Um, credit to Adam Devine. Like, I don't think this movie works without someone as charismatic as him as the lead. Um, like, it really struck me on second watch, like, how much just his comedic... And, and his ability to go from, you know, very broad comedy to at least a little more understated 
Um, I don't know, just, like, his persona. Like, I, I, it struck me on a second watch, like, how much, like, the strength of his persona carries this and how much, even though on paper, you should not be rooting for Noah, you kind of are. Um, and I, I did like that the movie spent so much time deconstructing, like, you know, in the first case... You know, having them think he's an actual stalker and, like, chasing him off. Um, and then in the second case, you know, thinking that being a very assertive, like, macho um, guy is, is going to make Avery take him out of the, the friend zone. Um, and then he discovers that, oh, um, you know, that means that we will occasionally sleep together. But, like, treating her poorly means that she doesn't actually care about me. Um, and then I also, I also liked that, you know, he got to have the realization of, like, well, yeah, I can try to become this person I think she would want, but in the process, I have to lose my best friend, lose my ability to play music, which I love. And, like, kind of strip back everything that makes me me. Um, and, and he gets to kind of have that light bulb moment of, oh, like, I would have to. And, and even after doing that, she's still more in love with Ethan. Um, so I, I do like that he has to have that, like, oh, I've been fantasizing about this for three years. And, and really it wouldn't work. And I, I like that the movie makes him confront that. Um... I will tell you, this movie, this movie lost me almost immediately just because of the, like, I, I am expected to sympathize with Noah because, or despite the fact that he has spent three years being in love with a woman who clearly is not interested. Mm-hmm. And I... The, the whole friend zone shtick is just never going to be something that I enjoy. Like, my my very strong reaction to all of that was, bro, you've had three years to reconcile this. Like. Yeah, and I, I think that, but I think what the movie does well is it doesn't. It doesn't reward that, and it, and in fact, True. and in fact says, "Oh no, man! Like that's not like you gotta stop." It um, doesn't reward that, but I also had a very hard time. I I never really liked Noah all that much. Mm. Part of that is because I'm also just so used to Adam Devine being kind of a dick. Yeah, like. <laughs> Like, he is charismatic, but in, like, a very frat boy kind of way, <laughs> which I just sort of inherently don't trust. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, how recently have you seen Pitch Perfect 2? I was going to say, he's kind of always going to be bumper from Pitch Perfect <laughs> to me. <laughs> but, okay, but here's the thing. is like, I feel like one thing that works so well with him as bumper is, like, in Pitch Perfect 1, he's just straight up an asshole. And then in Pitch Perfect 2, like... They actually give him some endearing, like, man-childness that, like, I don't know why, but just for whatever reason, that scene with him and Rebel Wilson so works for me. Um, it, it shouldn't, does, although, but it does. 
No, it works for me, but then it's kind of retroactively ruined when Rebel Wilson realizes that she is in love with him. Like, I think that scene works much better when it's just the straight up and down rejection. Uh. But then I'm also apparently dead inside. So <laughs> I, was, I don't know. I think that movie, like, I think they do enough of, like, Amy and Bumper are such caricature weirdos. Like, yeah, okay, I guess it makes sense that they would end up together. All right. Um, I also I also just straight wanted the whole pitch perfect movie to just be the scene where they're at the like summer camp. Oh, type a thousand I was like, percent. that's the whole movie, guys. What are you doing? Yeah, that um, <laughs> melody is like the best part of that movie. Um, but yeah. we're not here to talk about pitch perfect, too. <laughs> we are not. Sad- sadly. <laughs> um, um, yeah. But I, I think that this character was like grounded enough so okay i think the reason that this works for me and and i think the reason that it works is because it's very clear in the end like like the movie makes a good case for both like the qualities that draw him in to avery and that later we find out are things that she has just tangentially picked up from being carrie's friend so it it makes sense it it both makes the argument of here is why Noah keeps pining after her because he thinks she is this girl but it turns out like the things he actually finds attractive about her are the interests that she like Carrie has but like you know Avery's a good friend and so has been share you know know some of Carrie's interests. So I, I think it does a good job of saying, like, he is not, like, there are specific things about who he thinks Avery is that really appeal to him, not just that he feels entitled to her love, um, which is a solid distinction, but I think it's important. No, I agree. Um, I think that what the movie does, it does pretty well. Um, I just don't always know that what it's doing is something that I am interested in watching. Fair enough. Um, no, one of the things I kind of briefly mentioned this before, but one of the things that I like is that, um, the consequences to how he changes the past are not always obvious, but make sense in context. Mm-hmm. Like I, I did really love when he's like, well, I got to get it together and be like the stable, reliable, um, like house in the suburbs type deal. So he takes a job that his friend Max has been trying to get him to take um, instead of uh, being the piano man at the jazz lounge. And so the consequences to that end up being that he gets promoted over Max, loses Max's friendship, um, has this relationship with Avery, but it's, pretty empty because all he does is work and also because it turns out that they're not really all that compatible people um but the ways in which the future goes sideways are not always the most obvious Mm -hmm. but always makes sense um i think the one that's kind of weird is the one where he he realizes that carrie is the the girl for him uh, and goes back and connects with her at the bar. And then in the future, they never really took off and she's back with her ex-boyfriend. 
that one was a little more of a stretch to me, but I get the point that the movie's trying to make about needing the connection to be organic and natural rather than something that he's trying to orchestrate. Well, and I think too that like Carrie comes into his life as Avery's friend. And so that if he's not there to build that deep friendship with Avery, like she is not going to consider him as a potential romantic partner in the same way. Um, I don't know. I don't know that that logic is, is entirely like that's clearly what the movie is saying but i don't know that that logic is entirely like this absolutely makes sense well and i think they need to draw that out a bit and so and this kind of runs into my my complaint that i on second where you watch i think crystallized more than it did or you know wasn't something that really occurred to me when i watched this the first time but i really think this movie does not have enough scenes like him and Carrie sitting at the table together in the scene where um he and Avery are together, but it's clearly, like, not happy for either of them. Like, I think the movie spends so much more time with Avery than Carrie. Yes. Um, and, and I, that imbalance was, like, way more clear even, um, on second, on second watch. And I, so... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think they dropped some hints. Like, there was one of the early scenes was on, and Pete was in the room, and right away he pointed to Carrie, and he was like, so he's going to end up with her, right? And I was yeah. like, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay. So there was, like, some foreshadowing there. Um, but I think that we needed to have more moments where we got to see... You know, like the scene in the car at the beginning of him and Carrie and and like the... Because I thought that was actually a really sweet scene where they're sitting at the table together and he's saying, she's never going to love me, is she? And Carrie's saying, no, you're a great guy. Like, it's... You know, some people just aren't right for each other. And I, I think we needed, like, two or three more of scenes like that. We needed one of those scenes in every scenario. Exactly. Exactly. We needed, because, like, the first scenario, which actually, honestly, I enjoyed way more the second time than I did the first time, where they think he's a stalker. Um, I actually, it, I thought it was great the second time I saw it, because, like, it's so, it makes so much sense that, like, the oh, first yeah. thing you would do... Um, and I just love that it was like, we are literally going to chase him out of here with, like, an umbrella. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, because the only scene we have in that is when he's, like, creeping her out and when, um, Max is hitting on her. Um, well, and we, we do kind of get one in the second scenario when he's being the asshole. Mm-hmm. They, like, sit she- down for coffee. And I think that that scene almost needed to be, like, three minutes longer. Absolutely. Like, we needed more of that. And we needed more of... Because she has a moment in there where she's surprised and being like, oh, no, maybe you weren't a complete asshole. Okay. But, like, we needed... Whether they would have, like, a jazz song come on that they both were like, oh, I love this song. Or something. You know, like, they needed to plant that seed earlier. Yeah, because by the time by the end when he is like, "I'm in love with you," I was like, "Wait, when?" <laughs> right. <laughs> like, there's a big difference in my mind between 
oh, you're actually the one that I have a connection with and I'm in love with you. Right. And I kind of wish the movie had just let him be like, Avery and I aren't going to work. But also, Carrie is actually the one that I share all these interests with. Like, I didn't really need him to jump straight to love. Right. Although I guess you need that to have the the second to last scenario when he's like, I'm going to make sure that we hit it off at the party and fall in love. And she's like, wait, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like this, I feel like it needed one more or maybe not even one more scenario, but certainly a little more real estate needed to be dedicated to the relationship that Adam Devine and Carrie are forming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, there definitely needed to be, um, yeah, at least one or two more scenes of just, like, them. Because it, because it, I think they're supposed to treat the scene where, um, you know, they're sitting at the piano and he starts to realize, um, like, all those things he thought he and Avery shared in common were really, you know, things that Carrie and he shared in common. Um, and it, I think it's supposed to treat it like a twist. Um, and so it just goes from from zero to 60. And I, I think that we need a few more seeds planted there and we need... Um, yeah, we just need some more time spent either on that scene in particular or we need those things to not be revealed all at once but be revealed one by one. That was kind of how I wished it had been like if he'd if he'd over the course of every scenario like gotten to learn and we the audience also got to learn a little bit more about Carrie. Right. So that at the end he is, yeah, it's, it doesn't all happen in one scene where he's like, oh, Avery's never seen A League of Their Own, and she doesn't like jazz, and or, like, all of this stuff. Right. Um. Yeah. Because, yeah, by the end, I'm like, yeah, like, I, I definitely know that Avery's great. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's actually, that's not giving um, Shelley Hennig enough credit. I, I really liked her as Carrie. Um, yeah, I thought it, and I liked, I, it was nice and refreshing to me to have this, like, never be a, like, they were never really in tension, which I appreciated. Um, cause I think so oftentimes movies like this feel the need to be like, ah, oh, but, like, girls can't just be solidly friends with each other. There must be tension and drama and female friendship always Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i i liked that this was never that like they're just good buddies yes 100 percent um i also liked that the movie didn't shame avery for not liking or not being into the stuff that we thought that she was into right like, we find out that she's never seen A League of Her Own, which is the Halloween costume she's wearing when she and Noah meet, but it's because she needed a Halloween costume. Like, it's, um, you know, we, we, we find out that um, Noah's kind of been making assumptions also because he hasn't been asking leading questions. Um, 
or he hasn't really been asking a lot of questions at all. Yeah. Uh, which is another thing that I, I do think the movie kind of indicts him for. Like, if you had bothered to actually learn something about Avery instead of just being really attracted to her, then we might not have had to go through this whole thing uh, at the be like, in the beginning at all. Um, yeah, and I, and I like that the movie... I, I like that the movie both tells us, like, this is who he thinks he loves, and then this is who she actually is, and, like, this is why she and Ethan work. Also, because, I don't do know, Robbie we... Amell is super attractive. Truly. Um, do we find out enough about Ethan to really be able to understand why they work? Yeah, I, I mean, I think at least the movie tells us. I don't know if it shows us, but it tells us, like, ah, uh, yes, he is a, a stable family man, doctor. Like, he's a little bit of a Gary Stew. True, uh -huh. which was fine. <laughs> I'm fine with that. He, Robbie Ammo, it's pretty enough he can be any sort of Gary Stew, and I believe it. <laughs> sure, Robbie Ammo. You've got, you've got those abs, man. You, you, you do you. Not that I am, by any means or implication, shaming anyone who does not have said type of abs. I am just saying that probably I'm also a real attractive dude. <laughs> uh, I will say that there was, like, th for, the, for the first portions of this movie, I was kind of rooting for Max and Carrie to get together. Oh, huh. I really loved Max. Max is great. Max is Noah's friend who is a corporate shill, but he gets to live the life that he wants to live. So you know what? More power to him. He is kind of, he's like overtly not scummy, but like a horn dog. <sighs> And just very obviously, like, I am going to hit. A, I don't know. He was he was horn doggy in a way that I found campy and kind of charming. Um, and he he makes a couple passes at Carrie, and I was like, I'm kind of into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, and I think that like the movie could have spent that time with Noah and Carrie instead. That to me, oh, like. Like, knowing no, it wasn't going to sure. go anywhere, I was like, eh, this is kind of a waste of time. Well, but I didn't know it wasn't going to go anywhere. So, like, right. for the beginning for the beginning portions of the movie, before you kind of understand what it's doing, I was a little bit like, oh, I'm into this. Yeah. Well, I think it is a deliberate red herring. Um, yeah. But yeah, Max is great. Um... Although he does kind of disappear from the movie at a certain point. Yeah, after the timeline where they are not friends, he kind of comes back and just does a quick, like, oh, thank God we're friends. Okay, great. And then we don't really see him again. And we don't see him again. <laughs> yeah, he has the one moment where he was like, even my mistakes I would never take back because they've helped me get to where I am, which is sort of um, Noah's light bulb moment. And so after he, after Max delivers those words of wisdom to his white friend, we never see him again. 
Yeah. Which was unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a trope that maybe we should not be evoking in year 2018. The year of our Lord 20... Well, yeah. The year of our Lord 2018. Wow. Um. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely could have used... And and whether, you know, they they included I think they could have included Max in that engagement party scene on both ends. Like it was very clear that Although, like, like I don't know that he was friends with Avery. Right. Like I, I like I'm saying like the movie could have established like, oh yep, like because Max and Noah are friends, now Avery and Ethan are Max's friends too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it would have been that much more work to be like, he brought these friend groups together, you know. Yeah. And then we could have just had more Max. That's all I'm asking. Slash, like, have Max make out with Avery's hot aunt in the corner, like, at her (laughs) engagement. Like, I mean, I'm just saying. I got very strong. What was the name? What was the name of the friend in um, Love Wedding Repeat with the hair? Oh my God! What Brian? Yeah, very strong Brian energy from Michael. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, which I was here for. How did we feel about Avery? Yeah, I think that. So. I think the movie did enough to to be like, ah, here's this facade that Noah sees and has made up this, like, toxic incel light friend zone situation. Um, but here is, you know, I think later it... it became very clear that, like, oh, this is actually who Avery is, and she is a girl who, you know, values stability and family and wants to make, personally, I think, ridiculous plates for her engagement party. Those were so bad. So bad. So bad. Wearing, you know, gap sweaters. Um, The only thing that should be on a... The only thing that should have your face on it at a party like that is a cake. Yeah, and I don't even know how I feel about picture cakes. I feel very strongly about them in that I think they're hilarious and want to eat them. <laughs> okay. Um, And I guess, like, something which one eats has a little different connotation. I just kept thinking about how creepy would it be to use this plate and like their eyes following you <laughs> while you're eating off of it? I'll like tell you, the weirdest part about those plates is that they apparently were not giving them away as souvenirs. Right. Like they were just gonna keep all those plates with well, their faces on them. I, I think the implication was that they were gonna be given as souvenirs, but like I I, I do think we we never got to see that happen. Well, no, because Carrie gives Noah crap at the beginning for taking for stealing one oh, of the plates. I assumed that was just because he took it before like they handed them out. That was not clear to me. Right, right. Which it should have been more clear <laughs> that this was a a um 
favor, you know, party favor plate. Because, yeah, I was like, oh, they were just going to have, like, a full set of dishes with their faces on them. <laughs> okay, which, that's a choice. Yeah, which that's a whole different... Wow. I mean, I will admit, so, probably the longest... And I won't say fight. It was not a fight. It was just a very long discussion <laughs> um, of Pete my wedding registry was picking out dishware. Um, it took us... There was... I was, yeah, there there was a lot of time spent on the Crate and Barrel website. There was much discussion and debate back and forth. And one, and I believe we went straight from Crate and Barrel to the bar afterwards. <laughs> to be like, okay, we did this. Anyway, long story short, I was very pro-colored plate. Plate with a color or a pattern. And Pete was pretty adamant. That we have have white plates. And at the time, I was like, oh, these are so blah and boring. And now I kind of appreciate the white plate. I will say, though, I think slowly over time, Pete, since our friends have them, Pete has become more attuned to the fiesta wear, which I love. So I think long term, I will be able to talk him into fiesta wear. I think it's insane that Pete has such strong feelings about dishware. Oh, Martha. This is <laughs> Martha. This is nothing compared to the great curtain debate of 2014. Like welcome to our welcome to our new podcast. Martha and Marin discuss Pete's opinions on housewares. Of which he has so many. I am not kidding. I would talk to you conservatively for six <laughs> hours just about Pete, what what items in your house Pete has strong feelings about. All of them. The answer is all of them. Fantastic. <laughs> like, there is, oh my gosh. Which, again, I'm very appreciative that he cares so much. <laughs> Sometimes our latest thing has been, I really want blackout curtains because okay. our apartment... There is a very bright light that our landlords, for safety reasons, shine that comes right into, well, long story, it creates a lot of ambient light in our apartment. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's pretty bright. And as someone who grew up in a rural area, like, sometimes I'm just like, oh my god, there's so much light, I need it to be darker here. Um, so yeah, that has been our latest discussion. Incredible. It's, I will say, it was a very good, like, relationship test of, like, ah, uh, yeah, I, who's it, is it, like, the, those people Brene Brown has on all the time, like, the Gottmans, who, like, talk about, like, arguing as a couple is so important, and I was like, yep, this was an early test, like, moving in together, wedding planning, like, truly prepared us for wedding planning, because, like, going through a move was, I think, Bill's and my biggest, like, mm. test of temerity. <laughs> the only the only time I have ever actively wanted to kill him was <laughs> when we were moving. I fully respect that. Moving sucks. It's the worst. It's absolutely the worst. Um, but going back to this movie. Going back to this movie. I did enjoy the... In the scenario where Noah and Avery are getting married, 
I enjoyed the detail that the faceplates were 100% her decision because she also gets them for her and Noah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think part of that was so that we could have a mirror of the scene in the beginning where Noah is drunk in Carrie's car with Noah and Ethan after Ethan gets drunk and is like, I've been in love with your fiance for three years. And it's like, oh, dude. Um, but also, Avery really loves those faceplates. <laughs> she really loves those faceplates. Um, yeah, and I, I think that the nice thing that the movie does is they never, they never have a, like, not like other girls moment with her versus Carrie. You know, they never make it, like, Avery is the stage traditional one and Carrie is the cool one, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that the movie ever devalues. No, and I think Avery's the movie interest. actually kind of goes out of its way to point out that her friendship with Noah is important. Right. Like, they, she may not have, like, the things that he thinks that she's into that kind of initially attract him to her may not be 100% accurate, but it is true that they have a good time together. Like, they meet at that party they have good conversation like they're they are enjoying each other's company and i don't think that the movie ever tries to make that less important right. than his ultimate romantic connection with carrie even though it's kind of like that becomes in service to his romantic connection with carrie but mm-hmm. still like being friends with someone for 3 years before connecting with her friend is like that's a big commitment. I also just like the really sweet detail that he panics because he thinks the photo booth is gone. And it turns oh, out Avery and Ethan have bought it for him. I loved that so much. I thought that was so sweet. Because that, that was truly like, okay, so these superficial interests they may not have in common, but Avery clearly knows who he is. Right. And I think, too, that, like, I like also the implication that he goes back, sets up their friendship in the same way, and is going to get to enjoy their friendship without this, like, friend zone bullshit. Right? Like, yes, he's going to get to go back and just be like, yeah, she's a great friend. And that's great. Like, it, it, I may not have gotten to, like, meet the love of my life at this Halloween party, but I got to meet a really good friend who, like, happens to be the end to me making a connection um i but, kind of, oh sorry but yeah but in the end he's like yeah i get to go back and i get to start this friendship in exactly the same way and then the implication is is that he's he's gonna get to appreciate it as a friendship i kind of wish so at the end we get a bunch of photo booth photos of noah and carrie being extremely cute together i kind of wish that some of those photos had also included avery and ethan like, yeah, because we get of them we get one, adorable. I think, with the four of them. Like, there's one photo booth thing with the four of them. Oh, although I think that's in the timeline where he realizes that he should go for Carrie. It's in the second to last timeline, I believe. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So it's not in the final timeline. Yeah, yeah, because that little scene with the four of them in the photo booth was very cute. And we honestly, I wanted those photos to be like more of a montage. Yes. Like, sure, have some photos at the end that's theme, that fits the theme. But I I was ready. And this movie's a tight 97 minutes. Like, they could have taken 
couple more minutes to have a, a full montage. Well, and some of the photos start to repeat. Oh, I did not notice like, that. They're not all they're not all um, different ones. And at that point, I was like, "Come on, guys! <laughs> <laughs> you have Netflix money. We didn't money. need this to be a loop. <laughs> you have Netflix money. Come on." Um, yeah, I don't know. I both don't know that we got enough of Ethan, but also I don't know that I needed more of Ethan. Yeah, I think Ethan is just kind of incidental. Which is totally fine. Um, but yeah, I did really love the four of them being cute together. And I was like, I wish that we got more of that. Because that's adorable. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, I heard, I heard agree. Quick fashion question. Yes, ma'am. Um, I had a very hard time wrapping my head around the fact that Noah was at Avery and Ethan's engagement party because Avery is wearing a wedding dress in that scene. Oh, I think that's a fancy Southern people. Okay. I had, all right. I had a very hard time finding something like mostly white to wear to our wedding shower. Like, it well, I did me- not even try. I don't know why I was so intent. I think I just wanted an excuse to buy a nice dress. And I was like, oh, but I should buy something that's mostly white. Because, like, I guess that's what you're supposed to do. And I don't know why I wasn't just like, whatever, Maren, find a pretty dress. It'll be fine. Uh, But I, I swear to God, Amazon was like, you can't keep sending things back. Like, I think Amazon put a (laughs) limit on my returns for a hot minute there. Um, and I ended up, actually, I ended up with this very cute dress, um, that I was very happy with. Um, but it is, like, a fancy, it has, like, a little under, under tool, like, underskirt tool thingy and, like, a fully lined bodice and it's one of the fancier dresses I owned. So I could totally, just from, like, all the Pinteresting I did and Instagramming, I, that strikes me as a very, like, normal, traditional Southern engagement party dress. Are they in the South? Yeah, they're in New Orleans. <gasps> I had no idea. Yeah, they're in, yep. Those opening oh, shots sh- with, like, the streetcar and stuff, they're in New Orleans. Ah, dang. Yeah. Um, I guess I did not know that that was a thing. Totally a thing. And, like, honestly, Martha, my dress that I wore to my wedding, my wedding shower might even be a little fancier than Avery's. Huh. Alright. I also just did not think it fit her boobs very well. No, it didn't. It was an odd cut. Like, because it was supposed to be a, like, 40s-ish what is that type of neckline called? I never remember. I don't know, but it, like, it was sitting too low exactly. on her chest. It needs to be like, up honey, two inches. You're Alexandra Daddario. Like, Plus, a stylist should have fit you better for this dress. Yeah. but um, And then, like, the stomach was, like, weirdly baggy. Like. Because I think it needed to be pulled up, like, two inches. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, but, yeah. I thought that was unfortunate. Yeah, that was not the best fashion choice. The dress itself, I thought, was beautiful. I just thought she didn't look great in it because it wasn't sitting right. Right. Um, and yeah, also I was like, oh, he's at her wedding. And Mm. then, nope. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think the, the dress I wore to my wedding shower was like a navy blue with birds embroidered on it. I don't know. Oh, cute. 
Yeah, I did not. I did not buy a new dress for my shower because I went to my shower sort of reluctantly. Oh, uh, I just, I it was not something that I was invested in, and the idea of it made me very uncomfortable. And then my mom was basically like, "It's not for you. It's for the people who want to plan it for you. So like, suck it up, basically." Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, I bought a new dress for my rehearsal dinner. Ooh. It was black and gold. Cute. Yes. Uh, which I don't think fits me anymore, but I still have in my closet because I am optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I, speaking of autism, I need to, I need to donate my dress that I wore for my wedding rehearsal. So part of my like rampage of like, I must find dresses with white in them that are cute that I can wear to wedding shower and rehearsal dinner. I actually ended up. It was unfortunate. I could have just used this one for both because it was great, but it is off the shoulder. And let me tell you, if 2020, 2021 has killed anything in me, it is the desire to ever wear anything that requires me to wear a strapless bra again. Let me tell you. Fair. Fair. So that dress will, it's very cute and I was very happy with it. I will not need to wear it again. (laughs) No one's going to make you. Let 2020 free us from the obligation for needing to wear anything. Right? Right. Let us us throw our spanks out the window and declare ourselves free. Let us embrace the legging and embrace the sweatpants. Uh, I promised myself that if I got the job that I currently have, that I would stop wearing leggings to work as pants. Um, guess what I have not done? Girl, you live your best life. (laughs) The only pants I wear are beta brand pants that are not really pants. That are leggings masquerading as pants. Yeah, I have the Target version of beta brand. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. It's the only pants you need. I put on, I have like one pair of black jeans that I sometimes wore. Uh, back when we could wear jeans at work when we were in curbside. Mm-hmm. And I would put them on and I would feel the waistband and the, you know, the little snappy thingy button, the button. And I'd be like, hmm, why, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah, I have some black jeggings that I wear. That's like the most pants that I get these days. Yeah. Uh, Anything else? Any other thoughts, feelings that we have about um, when we first met? Yeah. I guess I liked this movie more than I thought I did. I feel like <laughs> I started out this conversation with like, oh, there's some problems. I'm like, actually, this movie's kind of charming. It, it truly, it took me like 45 minutes to be like, okay, maybe I don't hate this movie. <laughs> Just the, the whole front half when Noah is like, I've been in love with her forever, and now I'm going to try and make her love me. Especially, I will tell you, when the the movie gets kind of cute occasionally with the Groundhog's Day comparisons, mm-hmm. and those I was like, oh no, we can't. You, Adam Devine, you are not Bill Murray. We, <laughs> cannot, we cannot be drawing these um, like parallels that are this distinct. Like when the whole thing about him knowing what her favorite drink is and also saying that it's his favorite drink. I was like, that is not a call out that works for me. Oh, 
Oh, I guess I didn't pick up on that, but fair enough. Um, and I don't know that I would have thought about it if we hadn't been so immersed in Groundhog's Day scenario <laughs> movies for the past several episodes. <laughs> I think we're finally getting out of our Groundhog's Day rut. But the problem is now that I have been talking, I've talked so much about about time on this podcast. I'm really like needing to watch about time again. And I'm going to try and drag Pete into it because I'm trying to be like, but Pete, you actually really like Richard Curtis. Uh, well, and who doesn't love Rachel McAdams? Right? Thank you. And Donald Gleason. I think my in with Pete is actually going to be Donald Gleason. He looks, I'm sure I've said this on this podcast before, he looks completely different in every single movie that he makes. Yeah, I don't know how he does it. The man is a chameleon. Yeah, like a straight different person. And I know, like, I can hear people be like, Martha, he's acting. And I'm like, yes, I know. He's an actor, but also he looks like a completely different person. We just watched uh, the Coen Brothers True Grit like a month ago, and it took me a solid 30 seconds to be like, that's Domo Gleason. And he was I, small enough when this movie came out that he has just like a two minute bit part. I was going to say, I do not remember him in that movie at all. I did not at all whatsoever. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I guess Donald Gleason in 2010 would have been small enough that, like, he would have just, you know, a bit part in a Cohen movie would be a good thing for him. But he looked like a completely different person. All right. I believe that we have tangented enough. <laughs> That's I, the problem I, when we enjoy a movie. We just, we have to go on to different tangents because there's only so many times we can be like, yep, this is fun. I was going to say, that's the problem when we both enjoy a movie and when we're both like, this movie was boring and I have nothing to say about it. <laughs> right. Um, so what would you recommend to people um, to experience either to experience when they are done with this movie. So I would recommend, and I'm going on the Adam Devine rabbit hole here, but I would recommend the 2019 um, film, Isn't It Romantic? Um, where Adam Devine and Rebel Wilson get paired up again. It's a little pitch-perfect reunion. Um, and I think it also fits the the theme of kind of deconstructing some rom-com tropes. Um, Rebel Wilson plays an architect named Natalie who, um, gets mugged and wakes up, uh, and finds herself in the world of romantic comedies. Um, and Adam Devine plays, um, her best friend Josh, who clearly has a thing for her, um, and it takes, you know, I don't know, goes from there. It, it goes... Pretty much exactly where you'd expect it, but it's very fun. Adam Devine and Rebel Wilson have very good chemistry and are very charming. Liam Hemsworth is unexpectedly hilarious in it, um, as Rebel Wilson's love interest in, in rom-com land, and Priyanka Chopra is also great in it. Um, so yeah, isn't it romantic? Um, another, another Adam Devine pick with some similar themes. Martha, what would you recommend? All right. So for my recommendation, I am following the thread of realizing that the person that is right for you is not the one that you uh, have, is not necessarily the obvious person. Um, 
I am going to recommend I've Got Your Number by Sophie Kinsella. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, love a Sophie love, Kinsella book. I love Sophie Kinsella. So I've Got Your Number is about Poppy, who, when we open the book, has just lost her engagement ring, uh, which her fiancé has given her. It is a tremendous piece of, in, of jewelry because her fiancé is from a very wealthy family. Um, and she also ends up losing her phone, uh, both of which, uh, in, during the recovery of, she winds up becoming in, entangled with uh, businessman Sam Roxton, who, um, through shenanigans, he and Poppy kind of end up in each other's lives. Uh, and, you know, I, I won't give too much away, but suffice to say, it is about how... Um, this perfect life that Poppy has sort of orchestrated for herself may not actually be uh, the best thing for her and may not actually be uh, what she truly wants in her life. Um, Sophie Kinsella writes wonderfully humorous and very warm uh, romantic comedies. Her characters are delightful. Um, and I just, you know, especially right now, a, a nice a nice gentle hijinks focused rom-com might be what you need so um and putting these together perfectly i don't know if we talked about um putting sophie kinsella and when we last met together perfectly i don't know that we talked about the movie version of can you keep a secret um which is based off a sophie kinsella book and stars alexandria daddario the title is not summoning anything for me. So it was one of her older ones. Um, and it was a very formative book for me because I, I read it when I was living in the UK. Um, so, it, it, you know, I read it when I was a middle schooler. Um But yeah, it's um, an early Sophie Kinsella book. It's a woman on a plane gets really anxious um, and so spills all of her secrets to the man sitting next to her who turns out to be the CEO of her company. Oh, no. Oh, we have talked about this. I haven't read it, but we have we have discussed this yeah, before. It's, it's so good. And, um, yeah, there's a movie version um, starring Alexandria Daddario. Um, I think it, it was on Hoopla for a while. I think it is now maybe migrated over to Hulu. But if you're looking to get your Sophie Kinsella fix. Excellent. Uh, that is going to do it for us. Uh, so for our next movie, we are going to be watching the Netflix original Into the Beat. Uh, starring Alexandra Pfeiffer, Yelani Marshner, Tristan Pewter, Helen Schneider, and a bunch of other people. Uh, written and directed by Stefan Westerwill and Hannah Schweier. I am starting... Yep, it's German. I was like, this movie <laughs> is not in English. <laughs> uh, a teen ballerina discovers hip-hop by chance and is faced with an impossible choice. Does she follow her parents' footsteps or her newfound passion? Uh, this is one of Marin's and my favorite subsets of the teen film genre, the dance movie. Sure is. Love it. 
Uh, until then, Marin, where can people find you? Uh, folks can find me on Twitter, where I basically exclusively tweet about romance novels and Bridgerton, um, at A underscore star underscore danced. Um, so, if you are interested in seeing a lot of tweets about Bridgerton, the occasional tweet, uh, like today, of the, the big news that Minnesota gets to keep all of its congressional districts, um, so occasional Minnesota news, uh, feel free to give me a follow. Uh, and you can find me at all the places at Magical Martha, including my tiny letter that I write which is at tinyletter.com backslash Magical Martha. I actually published a new issue yesterday or the other day for the first time since like January. And it was about all of the things that I wish that I had talked about on the last episode of the other podcast that I record with Marin's husband, Pete. Did you do your homework? Which releases on the same feed as this one uh, on Opposing Wednesdays. You can follow the show on all of our social media feeds at DYDYH podcast. Uh, including uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of the usual places. So, you know, like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Uh, I believe that that is it. And anything I have forgotten, Pete will add in post-production. Uh, so that's going to do it for us this week. We will see you a couple weeks from now. And until then, just remember that we love you. We did it. Woo! Go team. Go team indeed. Um Oh, I forgot to pitch or I forgot to tell people that I'm on Letterboxd where I am Oh ranking I rank all of the movies that you and I watch for this show. Oh, cool. Yeah, I have a running list. <laughs>